where we tend to get it wrong is when we rely on this on this power model of uh, of of leadership of coaching uh, a t- a top down approach where I think that you know if 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 I'm looking for the again the growth and well being of of my players I'm I'm going to you know I'm going to to really uh, grasp the idea that I am there to serve them and that's a a for a lot of people, a really difficult concept to 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 take hold of. But you know, as a coach, you're there to serve your players. Welcome to the Coaches Club Podcast, powered by Transform Sport where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. I'm your host, Luke Gromer, and every week we're bringing you conversations with coaches and leaders in sport that will help you grow as an effective teacher and transformational leader so that you and your team can reach your potential. Coaches, I'm excited to welcome Dr. Greg Sullivan to the Coaches Club podcast. Dr. Sullivan is the program director of the Positive Coaching and Athletic Leadership Master's Program at the University of Missouri. After leaving college basketball coaching, Dr. Sullivan spent 20 years in the financial services industry. He worked for several large banks, working his way up to the level of director. With an eye on a career shift, Dr. Sullivan completed his MBA with a concentration in sport business at Seton Hall University while still employed in the financial services industry. Shortly thereafter, he returned to school full-time, where he earned his doctoral degree in sport management in the College of Education at The Ohio State University. Upon graduation, Sullivan became a faculty member in the Department of Health and Sports Sciences at Audubon University, where he was recognized as Teacher of the Year, tenured, and promoted to Associate Professor. In 2016, Dr. Sullivan completed his Master's in Applied Positive Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania and accepted a position as Associate Professor and Program Director in the College of Business at Ohio University. While at Ohio, Dr. Sullivan directed the Professional Masters in Sport Administration Program, which was recognized in 2019 by Sport Business International as the number one online sport graduate program in the world. In August of 2019, Dr. Sullivan joined the University of Missouri as a professor and program director of the Positive Coaching and Athletic Leadership Masters Program. Dr. Sullivan's book, Servant Leadership in Sport, Theory and Practice, was published in the spring of 2019. Today, Dr. Sullivan and I dive into gaps in coach education, breaking the cycle of coaching how we were coached, servant leadership, building a sense of belonging, and a lot more. Before we hop in, I have some really exciting news to share. I had the opportunity to write the study guide for Doug Lamov's book, The Coach's Guide to Teaching. Doug was my guest on episode one of the podcast, and we talked about his book. We just released the free study guide, and you can download a copy of the PDF at cgtbookclubs.com. The study guide includes discussion questions from each chapter of the book. And as Doug and I were working on the study guide, we kept coming back to how powerful it would be for like-minded coaches to be able to use the guide together as they go through the book. So in addition to releasing the study guide, I'm launching free virtual book clubs that are four weeks long and cover one chapter from the Coach's Guide to Teaching at a time. I'll be leading the book clubs, and Doug will be making guest appearances for a Q&A slash film session. I opened up the first two book clubs on Thursday, July 1st, with 30 spots for each club. Within 30 hours, both of the book clubs had sold out. 
I'm not sure when I'm going to open up the next round of free book clubs, but if you want to join the waitlist and be the first to know about the free future book clubs, just click the link in the show details and fill out the form to join the waitlist. In the meantime, you can go download the free study guide for the Coach's Guide to Teaching at cgtbookclubs.com. And as always, if you'd like to get a free PDF of the notes from today's episode, go to transformsport.org slash podnotes or click the link in the show details to get your copy. And here's my last call for the upcoming Coaches Club cohort. On July 18th, I'm kicking off the first Coaches Club cohort. It's an eight-week online cohort course and community that will help you grow as an effective teacher and transformational leader, surrounded by other like-minded coaches. I only have a couple spots left, so if you're interested, go to transformsport.org slash coachesclub to learn more or schedule a free call to talk with me and save your spot. Now to my conversation with Dr. Greg Sullivan. I'm confident this conversation will help you get better at teaching and leading. Enjoy the episode. All right, coaches, I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Greg Sullivan to the Coaches Club podcast today. Dr. Sullivan, let's just let's uh, start here. I would love if you would just tell, tell the coaches uh, a little bit about the program that you lead at Mizzou. Tell them about your guys' philosophy on coach education. Our uh, program... Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Luke. Um, our program here at the University of Missouri is, is really unique. I, I think we're, we're one of a kind in academia. And what we offer is a master's in education. Uh, we're housed in the School uh, of Education, uh, School and Counseling Psychology. So our, our, it, it's, it was created by, by primarily counseling psychologists to um, to, to, and and they, what they did was created a, a really interesting fusion of, um, of sports psychology, of positive psychology, of coaching theory, and of leadership theory. And the, the, the gentleman that founded, his name was Dr. Rick McGuire. He's a long-term, a long-time uh, track and field coach here at Mizzou, had a, a storied career, but really saw some inadequacies in, in the profession of coaching and wanted to, wanted to make a difference. And he really felt the way that he could impact it was through education. I think foundational to our program is the belief that, uh, and it's, and it's research backed science-based and, and our belief is that, that optimal performance and optimal well-being can coexist so that an athlete can 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 do their best um, athletically and feel their best psychologically, uh, whereas I think there's long been a, a belief in athletics that it's an either or proposition. We don't believe they're mutually exclusive. We believe that athletes can can and, and I think the, um, the 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 coach obviously the athletic leadership plays a significant role in in making that happen. So what we do is we provide a a, a body of research, body of information. That that operationalizes that concept. It brings it to life, and and that's that's what we do. And we've had, I think, um, I think we've had we've had some pretty good success and some really good success stories. That's awesome. I like it. And let's let's go a little bit deeper on what you mentioned. The founder of the program, he mentioned he he identified these these gaps in coaching, right? These gaps in coaching education. What, in your experience, in, in the program's experience? What are those most common gaps in coaching education that need to be addressed for most coaches? Well, I, I think that first of all, the, the, the primary gap is a, is a lack of education. 
that, you know, we, you know, some schools uh, have an opportunity to take courses, um, maybe perhaps even minor in, uh, in coaching education. But, um, but I think overall there, there is a, so coaching in this country, as, as unlike many other countries around the world, coaching in the United States is more, is more caught than taught. And we tend to coach how we were coached. So if you had the benefit of, of having some great positive coaches, uh, then you, you know, the chances are you'll coach that way. If you were coached by a, um, you know, a, a demeaning, um, uh, uh, at times abusive coach, there's, you know, the, uh, there's the opportunity that for you to coach that way as well, because that might be all, you know, so I think that's the primary gap. And, and so, um, one of Dr. McGuire's mantra, mantras is this idea of, you know, the ability to be demanding without being demeaning. And I think that's a, um, you know, and that's really what, what was kind of the springboard and led to um, a, a, a program that is, uh, that, that is, again, focused on providing uh, research, providing science-based approach. What, what we're really trying to do is because coaching is more caught than taught. We're trying to bridge that gap between theory and practice. And, 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 and that's really where the gap is. It's, it's that gap between theory and practice. And that's, we're, we're trying to do our part to bridge that, that, that rather significant gap. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful. You said a lot of important things in there. There's two things I want to follow up on. The first is you talked about most coaches just coach how they were coached. And so if you were fortunate to have positive coaches that were demanding without being demeaning, you will probably do that because most coaches just coach however they were coached. Unfortunately, we know that a lot of coaches were not coached in a positive way themselves. And so they perpetuate cycles of harmful coaching often. How can coaches break that cycle of just coaching the way they were coached? It, it's real. It's it's really tricky. I think they, there has to be a high level of motivation on the part of the coach to 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 really. And I think what you know, for example, what you're doing is really is it provides the opportunity to enlighten a lot of coaches that there is another way. There is perhaps a better way of uh, of of coaching. And so I, I think that you know it, it really takes a high level of motivation. And I and I think there's there's a you know a a ton of information out there. You know I, I think uh, for example. Um, Twitter gets a bad rap and, and deservedly so. And, but there are pockets of Twitter that are so el- overwhelmingly educational and positive that, you know, to really kind of find your way there would be, would be helpful. So I, I think uh, it, it, it really is about, um, a, about an understanding that there is a better way. And I think that happens through, uh, through education and then to be motivated to want to change. I remember talking to, um, to one coach and his approach when he when he he's had some he had some good coaches and some bad coaches. So what he decided to do was uh, he just took a piece of paper and he wrote down all the things on the left hand side that uh, the coaches did that he didn't like, and on the right hand side he wrote down all the things that coaches did that he that he did like that he thought were helpful to him. And on the top of the left hand side he said never do this, and on the right hand side he said always do this. So sometimes it's as simple as that. Of, of really looking at your own experience and saying, you know, how, how could I have made it, you know, how could it have been better? And um, I had a student this past semester that said something really 
powerful to me when I asked her why she was in this program. And she said that she wanted to be the coach that she needed when she was an athlete. And so, you know, I think we're, we're learning that um, the important impact that, uh, well, we know the important impact that coaches have, but we also know we have ways, we have methods, we have approaches that can, that can enhance that experience for both the coach and the athlete. Yeah. So powerful. And as you were talking about that, I was just thinking through a couple of things that have been important for me in my journey at Joe Ehrman's book, Inside Out Coaching. I'm not sure if sure. you've read it sure. or not, but it's uh, it's kind of been like my coaching Bible since I started in, in some ways, just such a, it was so important for me as I began my coaching journey to just have so much clarity around my purpose and, and to consider some of those things like you just talked about with the exercise with the paper, just how powerful it is to say, like, these were the things that I didn't like as an athlete. These are the things I did. And so just increasing your level of awareness. And really, I think so much of it comes back to being able to answer the question, like, how does it feel to be coached by me? What, what are my athletes experiencing when I'm coaching and raising that level of awareness of how are my behaviors affecting them, you know, mentally, emotionally affecting their performance. I think that is, that's just so critical. Like you said, to break that cycle of I'm just coaching. However, I've seen it done um, and realizing, okay, there may be a better way here to follow up on one other thing that you that you mentioned, you talked about so much of the program's philosophy coming back to this phrase of, of being demanding without being demeaning. Will you talk more about that? And, and really like, how can coaches do that? Well, I, I think that um, it's, it, it's really an understanding of, of, um, of how, how to, how to, how to, um, to constructively respond or, or speak to not only to an athlete, but to another person. And, you know, that a lot of times we, we look at um, the inadequacies of an athlete or their failures of an athlete as something personal, you know, where it may be a skill level, it may be a lack of quality coaching, it could be a lot of different things, but we tend to, to uh, make it personal. And, and that has very harmful effects, impact on, upon, upon athletes. So um, I, th I think th that we there's there's been a lot of great research around um around what the uh, i don't know if you've if you've read um angela duckworth's book grit um and she talks about um what she calls wise parenting we've kind of adopted that as um as wise coaching and wise parenting is about the ability to be both supportive and demanding and and it's but I, I, we believe and I believe that it starts with the ability to be supportive, to build a relationship to, I, I can't tell you how many athletes that I've talked to that um, when they, when I talk about quality coaching, they talk about coaches who see them as people first, you know, and, and, and there'll be people long after their athletes. So we should be wanted, wanting to develop relationships with, with those people. But once, once we have that ability and coaches have, you know, learn that ability to connect with, with, with people, um, and then you, you really start to show your unconditional care for that, for the, that other person. Um, then, then you can be demanding and then you can really, that's where the coaching comes in. That's when you can take them to places where they didn't think they were, uh, they were capable. Um, but it's, it really starts with, with, with the support 
building relationships, unconditional care, uh, and then and then being demanding after that. Uh, and and you know, th there's never a place for for demeaning, for um, for making it personal and things like that. Uh, but it does. It, it, I think it, really for me, the fine, the art, and the science of coaching is that balance between being supportive and being demanding. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, yeah, high support and high challenge. Uh, I think when you can pair those things together, there's so much power in it. And like you said, that's what athletes want too. They want a coach that they know cares about them. And every athlete, they want a coach that can actually make them better. Like they're 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 there because they love it and they want to get better. I haven't met one yet that doesn't want to get better. Now they don't always maybe know how to respond to coaching in a in the best way. And I think that's part of our role as a coach to help them understand that. But they they want to be supported and they want to be challenged. I think in almost every case, I love. Yeah, that. absolutely. And 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 it's um, you know the, it, it it really is kind of the, the sweet spot. Of, of coaching is, is finding that balance. And, um, you know, you know, I, I, I think it's also fair to say that kids are there for a lot of different reasons, you know, but you're, you're coaching a, a young team, right? Uh, 10, 10 year old kids. Yeah. They're there for a lot of reasons there. You know, if, if you're, if there are some kids that are, that are only there because their parents want them to be there. There are other kids that are there because they feel like they have to be there. There are other kids there that couldn't imagine themselves being anyplace else, <laughs> you know, um, so I think it's, it's really understanding that there are different, different motivations for, um, for players for being there. And, and there's really only one, one best way to figure out why they're there. And that's to, to have a relationship, to, to have a conversation, you know, why they're there. Um, and, and, to, and, and so you really have a better understanding of their, their particular motivation for being there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's so important to understand why they're there. I just did an interview with a a guy who's a coach and he's actually in player development for a WNBA team, but he had this great phrase. He talked about your, your who and their why need to inform your what and your how. So who's in front of you? Why are they there? Let that drive what you're doing and how you're doing it. And so for example, with this, you know, 10 year old basketball team that I'm coaching before the season actually ever started, I, I sent out um, an email to all the parents kind of did like a virtual parent meeting. Cause I, you know, couldn't get in person with them because of COVID. But then one of the things I included on there was just a little Google form for their kid to fill out. I said, please have your kid fill this out on their own. And the first thing I asked them was like, why are you playing basketball? And every single one of them, it was either about, I'm playing it to have fun, be with friends, or just because I love basketball. Um, and just having that perspective going into it, knowing why they're there, that's just been helpful and grounding for me. Like I, I come back to that when practice isn't perfect or things aren't going wrong. Like, okay, like rem remember why they're here. Like it, they're not here because they're professionals. They're here because they want to enjoy it. So let's prioritize making this experience super enjoyable for them so that they continue to play. Um, but that's, that's where the struggle starts, right? Because kids are there for one reason. So I, I, I'm, there was a survey done, I can't I, many, probably at this point, many years ago, 10,000 kids. And they asked them their reasons for participating in youth sport. Um, I think with boys, winning was number eight. Um, with girls, it didn't even make the top 10. But the, 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 the problem is, you know, why are the parents think their kids are there? And that's when you, you know, you, you have some, some, uh, some friction, or, you know, some, some issues with, 
with with you know with the, the system you know we use sports and and um, and 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 problems for coaches and 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 that's you know for coaches who don't really uh, are not aware of of their why coaches who are really not um, not aware of their of their core values um, you know can can really start leaning towards the parents demands rather than the kids and and that's why we have uh, the the high youth turnover rate that we have I think you know it's been estimated in the high 70s kids by the by the age of 12 drop out of sports yeah absolutely and I think one of the things that you know, has become clear to me as I've done this research and talked to these people is that especially in the youth sports space where you have moms and dads often coaching or people volunteering almost all the time, they're super well-intentioned. They, they mean well, most of them are probably, they don't probably have enough clarity about why they're there or their values, like you said, but they mean well, they're just, they just don't know what they don't know. Um, they, they haven't been taught it. They've never seen it done a different way. Like we talked about earlier, they just kind of coach however they were coached in youth sport. And we're not really considering putting the child's experience, the athlete's experience um, at the center of it and, and designing it to align with, like you said, why they're there. Like they're not primarily there to win. They're there for fun. They're there for connection. They're there for development, like all of those things. And so yet to shift that is so important. And, and it, it has to be, like we talked about, it has to be an education for those coaches, which is just so often missing. Uh, and, and well, then that's the tricky part. And that's, that's what we're trying to record because it, it, it would be really kind of silly to think that uh, for, you know, for example, that every parent who volunteers for coaching should have a master's degree in, in coaching. Um, but we'd like to think that, um, that the, 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 the individual individuals running the, the, the program or the, or the, uh, the sport organization would have some, some more insights as to, as to, as to why you exist. And, and, you know, it, in fairness to parents, you know, and, and I was a parent, um, you know, when, when my kids were young and I volunteered in coaching and the, the easiest way to show your worth as a coach, at least you think this way is to win games, right? So in, in your sport, basketball, there's a lot of things that we can do to win games, right? We can play zone offense. We can press full court. We can, um, you know, things that, that, you know, particularly at 10 or 11 years old, you know, I, I remember the general rule of thumb was that a kid can make a shot from just about a foot for every age, you know, every year they, 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 of their age. So if I'm, if I'm 10 years old, I can make a shot from 10 feet away, 12 years old, 12 feet away. Um, so if I extend a zone out to 17, 18 feet, and force kids, you know, um, they're going to miss a lot of shots, and 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 we're going, you know, we're going to win a lot of games. So I, I think that, you know, having having a a, a philosophy that um, that fits what the kids want, um, and and some semblance of what the parents want is is a really tricky thing to do. But I think it's it's doable if you have a coach that is um, willing to stand their ground as to what their what their values are and why they're there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important. And I try to make it really clear up front with the parents on this team that I'm coaching that I'm here to develop them and to make sure that 
Um, my, my hope is, and I told them this up front, that a successful season means all 11 of these kids decide they want to play basketball again next year. Exactly. If, exactly. If, if they say that at the end of the season, boom, great season. I don't care what games we win or lose. If they all want to play again next year, then it's been a great season. And just trying to align them around like, this is why we're here. We're, we're here to help them get better as, as players and people. And, and being clear on that up front. And even just, I, I asked the parent as well on another Google form, asked them like, why do you want your kids to play? And all of them, when they actually took time to, to sit down and write it out, none of them listed winning. It was all about, I want them to learn to be a part of a team. I want them to connect with people and with friends. I want them to learn to work hard. Like they want, we want sports to develop these things in our kids. And that kind of leads into my next question. We want sports to develop these things in our kids and in, in our players around performance character and moral character. We want both of those aspects to be developed, but I think unfortunately too often they're not being developed. And um, in some situations, I think that sports even doing more to, to hurt them than to actually build them. Would you talk about how coaches can try to ensure that the sport experience is developing the whole person and yeah, building those, those character traits that we want them to? Well, I've, it's, uh, I think that's one of the great misconceptions is that uh, just through sport participation that, that you're going to develop character. But I think that uh, coaches really need to embrace their role as teachers and, and, and provide the opportunity to, um, you know, to, uh, to, to, you know, to find those, you know, teachable moments during, during the course of a game, course of a practice, course of a season that, um, that, you know, that, this is what's happening. This is, you know, um, and, and to, and to really kind of, and talk about, you know, why, um, why, you know, why we're not doing that. You know, for example, um, if, if you play a team that uses a, a player that, you know, is ineligible, right. You know, older kid or something like that, um, that, you know, that, that, that's something that should be talked about with the kids and, 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 and to really understand why it's being done, why we don't do it. Um, why, if they're coaching, they shouldn't do it, things like that. I think take advantage of, of all those little opportunities that we see uh, to, um, to, you know, to, to, to reinforce those ideas. And I also think that um, to be upfront about, uh, you know, as a coach, to be really upfront about your values with, with your team, even as young as 10, this is why I'm coaching. This is why I'm here. And, 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 and then to live those values to, for players to see, um, like if, if you tell your, um, your players that um, one of your core values is, um, is composure in, during ad adverse situations, and they see you, um, you know, staying composed in when in a, in, you know, in a, in a, a gym that where parents are yelling, you're getting bad calls from the official, but you, you stay composed and they see that you know, and they learn that, you know, that the, the connection between values and behavior, um, you know, and that's, that's something that may not click for a couple of years after that, but they'll remember coach Luke, he said, you know, he said, talked about composure, man, if that guy wasn't always composed um, and, and, you know, and, and I think that's a really important uh, opportunity for coaches. Yeah, absolutely. I think to continue on that thread, it's, it's, one of the areas in my experience and, and my observation where 
coaches often get it wrong and, and we're not perfect. We're going to get it wrong. I, you know, we all um, have behaviors that aren't aligned with our values and we all make mistakes. However, to try to tell our kids, Hey, you know, when a ref makes a bad call, you've just got to move on from it. But then on the sideline, if we can't do that, it just doesn't mean anything. Right. And, it, and then it's not when, teaching. And when, yeah. And, and, and when your, your actions are not congruent with your values, to admit it, you know, to your player and say, Hey, listen, guys, I screwed up. You know, I, I lost my, I lost my temper uh, and said something to that official that I shouldn't have said. Uh, and I'm going to try not to let it happen again, but my, you know, it, it's important that you understand that it's, you know, my values are not, you know, as best I can not to, not to lose my composure, but I did. And here's what I'm going to do about it. What a great learning experience to hear that as a kid from an adult, you know, we, we, um, we're, we're really, I hopefully in your school, they're really stressing um, social and, and emotional learning. Um, that's, that's social emotional learning in action. That's seeing it from an adult. Wow. That's, that's a really powerful learning experience. So we have that opportunity as coaches to, to really, to, to, to teach those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. And like we talked about, it takes, it takes a high level of awareness to do that. I think it also takes a high level of humility and a willingness to be vulnerable, to, to kind of drop the stereotypes that as the coach, I have to be perfect. I have to have it all together. I have to be seen in this light and to let kids see that you're a human being that makes mistakes. And I'd add to that a uh, few things build trust as quickly as apologizing to your team or admitting your mistakes. Well, yeah, I think it, what we've learned is that, um, you know, a lot of people th thought that um, to, to, to build trust, I, I need to build trust first, then I can be vulnerable where we've learned it's the opposite, that I need to be vulnerable first. And, and, and you know, coaches put in a position of, of leadership, of authority, um, and, and it's really challenging. It's really difficult to say, I don't know, <laughs> or I screwed up, or I should have done better. Um, but th I think that's the hallmark of a, a really good coach is to be, to, to, to allow, you know, to, to, to have the courage to be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And we've started to kind of get into it, but let's, let's maybe go a little bit deeper into it. And you mentioned at the beginning that a big focus of your program is, is leadership, right? Coaches are leaders. And that's one of the biggest areas that as coaches, I think we need to be intentional about developing as leaders. So what, what do you see as some of the, the most common things that coaches are getting wrong in their leadership and what shifts do they need to make to be a more positive leader and positive coach? A lot of, uh, a lot of coaches um, are a lot of, I think a lot of them, the mistakes uh, or errors or inadequacies are, are largely ego driven. I think that, um, you know, that, you know, the, the idea of, uh, of humility uh, of being vulnerable, I think is, is really important. I think, uh, you know, we, we lean in our, in our program, at least I do in my, my courses is um, lean very heavily on the work of Robert Greenleaf, who is um, really kind of the, the father of modern servant leadership. And, and so servant leadership is, is really an interesting approach to, to leadership. And it, it, it even transcends transformational leadership in its focus on others. 
And I am, you know, it, imagine a coach who sees or a leader who sees him or herself as being on the, the bottom of a pyramid, you know, serving from the bottom and that your sole purpose in leadership is um, is to serve is to serve others is to is to focus on the the growth and the well-being and the autonomy of your players of your followers and so i think you know there is a you know where where we tend to get it wrong is when we rely on this on this power model of uh of of leadership of coaching uh a a top-down approach where i think that you know, if, if, if I'm looking for the, again, the growth and well-being of, of my players, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, to really uh, grasp the idea that I am there to serve them. And that's a, a, for a lot of people, a really difficult concept to, 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 to take hold of. But, you know, as a coach, you're there to serve your players. Yeah, that's powerful and an, an important shift. Do you have any practical examples of what that looks like for coaches to do that? Or maybe any stories of, from your own experience or, or coaches that you've educated of when they made the shift and like how, how they did it, what actions changed for them? Well, so, so a servant leader, servant coach is really focused on the, the needs of their players. Um, and so, so we, we use theory as a proxy for those needs. And, and, um, the, the, another theory that we rely very heavily upon is, uh, is called self-determination theory. And it's a theory of motivation and well-being. So that if I want to, as a coach, meet your needs and internally motivate you and enhance your well-being, I have to meet some important psychological needs and research has identified three important needs. The first is competence, right? That you as, as an athlete have to feel like you are being effective with your skills, that there's growth, that you're getting better. Uh, the second is, um, is, uh, is belongingness or relatedness that you believe that you're in an environment on your team that you feel like you are cared for and you have the ability to care for others. So how coaches can, can put that into effect. And, and, the, um, and the third one is uh, we have a need for a sense of, uh, of autonomy. And so that, um, you know, and, and that's as simple as asking players, what do you think? What do you want to do today? You know, um, I know coaches who, um, uh, before they fill out their, their practice plans, they, they, send, they, they solicit ideas from their players. What do we need to work on today? Um, they, they, they set aside, 10 or 15 minutes of their practice time for, for players to work on whatever they want to, you know, um, they ask players, what'd you think of practice today? Where, where can we get better? Uh, you know, one of my favorite um, um, movie scenes is, um, you know, cause I love basketball, but uh, the movie Hoosiers. And at the end of the game, uh, the championship game, when uh, Gene Hackman is, um, is drawing up a play and they're going to use the, um, uh, uh, the great player as a decoy, right? And um, and so the, he sees that there, you know, players are kind of rejecting that idea. Uh, it, it, the players, I think, it's uh, Jimmy Chitwood. I think is the star player. And so he, uh, Jimmy, looks at the coach and says, "Coach, I'll make it." And so he changes the play right away so that Jimmy takes the last shot. 
that is meeting an important psychological need for, for autonomy, for competency. Um, and so it, that's, and that's what we try and do is, again, is, is this really important gap between theory and practice. Um, you know, self-determination theory, for example, has over 40 years of, of, of evidence that it is a, a productive way of, uh, of, of motivating or, or assisting others in motivating themselves. So I think that's, that's one important idea to consider. I like it. I like it a lot. And always great to have a, a Hoosiers reference in there. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about number two that you mentioned, building belonging. How can coaches build a sense of belonging on their teams? Well, I, I, I think the, the first thing is to, um, is to remember that, that, you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches will, will use, uh, they'll have team building day as a kind of a one-off before the season starts. They'll, they'll go canoeing or they'll go, you know, uh, rope climbing or, you know, and that's good. But I, I think, I think great coaches realize that this is a, a season long thing that we do, you know, team building is, 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 um, is something we do. I'm, I'm even in, in, uh, in college, I had a coach that used to do something in, um, in practice every day that, that started us doing something as a team. Um, we, um, we would have a, uh, we would take full court layups for, I think, two minutes. And he, when he would set a standard, how many layups we could make in two minutes. So, and, and it was really important to, for the team to meet that standard. It was a team goal and we would root for each other. And if somebody missed, we'd pick them right up because we want them to make the next one. Um, and it really created, a, you know, an important bond. So I think, and that's just one example of many, many things a coach can do to create team goals that, um, you know, could be at the end of practice, um, you know, that how many free throws can we make in a certain amount of time, track them, you know, this, and, and, and as a team, we're trying to achieve a standard thing, things like that. Um, th I think there's, there's a, a lot of, a lot of ways that coaches can, uh, can really show that they are, you know, they, they care about their players. The most important one is, um, is being present. You know, that when, it, when a player comes, you know, to share good news or bad news, that you are there and, and you, you put down your phone, you, you, you sit down, you look them in the eye, you get to their level, you know, if you're coaching younger kids and you listen and, and, you, and, you, and you really are there. Um, a great bit of science called active constructive responding where we can really capitalize on good news and how we respond to a player sharing us good news. One of your kids comes in, Luke, and says, um, oh, I got an A on my, uh, my spelling test. And you can ask him, wow, what was it like when you got the paper back? Were you nervous before you got the paper back? Um, you know, were the words hard? And, and actually, uh, research has shown that reliving that experience with you, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've chosen you to share this good news. Um, is, 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 it is actually the experience sharing it is actually greater than when they got the paperback with the, with the A on the spelling test. Um, so it's really, there's a, there's a lot of powerful things that coaches can do, but I think that, um, that being present, um, being, um, you know, being an active responder, listener, uh, and then, you know, fi finding things to, I, you know, I, I coached a, 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 um, when I, we, we moved into a town. Um, when we moved out of New York into into New Jersey 
And, and I just wanted to be a little bit more active in the community. My kids were, were really young, but I coached a seventh and eighth grade uh, travel team. And, um, and I still stay in touch with a lot of those kids. And this is, I can't tell you how many years later, but you know, there, there were things that we would do. Like, for example, you know, um, I had decided before practice one day that, um, you know, that we needed to do something different. So I, I arranged it with their parents that we were going to go, uh, uh, go bowling and get some pizza and go bowling. And to this day, they remember that practice, um, more than anything else. And they had the opportunity to, 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 um, to interact with their teammates in an area outside of basketball and actually got to know them and got to like them and to be friends. Um, and to, so it, it creates this, um, this, this atmosphere of, of belongingness and, and, and of caring and really allows them to kind of drop their guard and, and care for others. And, and that's, and again, that's not a, that's not a want or a desire. That is a psychological need. Every bit as important as physiological needs as, um, as uh, you know, air, food, sleep. Um, th that's, that's a need that we all have to experience well-being. Yeah, absolutely. It's powerful. I love it. Like you said, I mean, every, every kid is asking from the moment they step into your practice on your team, am I safe here? Do I belong here? Yeah. Am I, am I a part of this? And so I think the more we can consider it as a coach, am I doing these things? Um, probably the better we'll get at creating an environment where they feel those things. And, and you just kind of talked about it and, and you've been talking about it throughout some of this conversation but are there other aspects of psychology, sports psychology that maybe coaches are just kind of ignorant of that they really need to, to have a better grasp on to be a more positive coach and leader for their kids? Well, I, I think there's a, um, there's a lot of things that, that, you know, that we teach that, that coaches should be aware of. Um, and, you know, I, I think, positive uh, well psychology in general is just full of of opportunities to learn about um about building confidence about um you know from from a performance standpoint focus and concentration uh the importance of goal setting i think is it can't be understated and what we're learning about goal setting is really exciting um you may be familiar with smart goals if you um are you familiar with whoop goals W-O-O-P. No, never heard of so, them. So WHOOP is a really powerful tool that um, you, you, uh, um, an athlete will identify a wish and, and the potential outcome of that wish coming true. So let's say um, one of your player, uh, players identifies um, that they want to be a better shooter, better free throw shooter. And the outcome of that, they will feel more confident. They, they give their team a better chance of winning games, um, things like that. But then, you know, to, and, and so you, you create a plan of shooting X number of free throws over a, a certain period of time, wh whatever, whatever you as a coach deem is the best way to, for that player to get there. And then you talk about the obstacles. What are the potential obstacles to you not achieving your wish? And, and, you, and, you, and you deal with those, you know, like uh, there are certain days I won't be able to get to a gym. I won't be able to get to a hoop. Well, what can we do? that we can still enhance our shooting form shooting, for example, 
um, the, during those days. So we identify our, um, our obstacles and then we create a plan to, um, to achieve those, uh, to, to, you know, to, so that we, th those obstacles don't stand in the way of our wish and our potential outcomes. Um, understanding um, um, positive imagery, I think, you know, particularly for older athletes, positive self-talk, the importance of, um, of resilience, um, the, uh, you know, even the, the, the uh, stress arousal and composure, understanding um, what we've learned about that, um, about, uh, about what a player feels before a game, during a game, um, uh, team cohesion, um, things like that. You know, so I, I, you know, I could go on. There's, you know, in our, our program, we focus on a lot of these things. But it, it, there is an opportunity for, for coaches to pick a few things, learn about it, not to be a psychologist, but to learn that they, you know, to be, uh, there are ways to apply these ideas for their, for their, for their players. Absolutely. Talk a little bit more about emotions. I, I think, you know, for, and I think it's maybe starting to change, but for so long, it, sport is just an emotionally charged environment for so many reasons, but it's been something that I think most coaches don't want to engage with and they don't really want to deal with their players emotions how can coaches help players navigate their emotions and maybe even as coaches how can they navigate their emotions in a more positive way well it's uh you know that that's that's probably a conversation in itself <laughs> but because um of uh what I've learned over the last couple of years about, about, um, about emotional intelligence and social emotional learning. Um, uh, I don't know if you had the opportunity to see uh, last chance you, um, did you see that? Uh, it's a Netflix. It's a, on junior college basketball. I haven't watched it yet. And for me, the most interesting part there was the inability um, of the coach to understand how his athletes were struggling with their own emotions and their inability to deal with their emotions. And I think, and, and it's, it's not through any fault of the coach. It's, it's not something that we, we, we are really good at, you know, unless again, we have the motivation to want to learn more about it that, uh, you know, particularly, you know, for a, a typical male, if you ask them, you know, what emotions they'll feel, they'll give you, um, you know, happy, sad, angry. That, and that's the extent of it. But what we've learned is there's this, you know, I mean, there's this whole array of human emotions that um, that that we that we need to identify and to uh, and to understand. And and um, you know, it, it and it's sometimes it's simple. It's as simple as a um, you know when they feel like they are. Um, you know, there's something in, in sports called. Um, uh, in sports psychology called an inverted U curve or the indiv individualized zone of optimal functioning, where if your a level of, uh, of arousal or stress or anxiety is too high, it's going to negatively impact your performance and things that we can do. So let's say, for example, with an athlete who's over aroused, simple breathing exercises will bring them back into their, into their individualized zone and so that they can perform at a higher level. Um, but you know, it, it was, and, and I know when I was participating in sports growing up, 
uh, coaches try to, um, you know, to, to, to not allow you to feel those emotions, right? We, we didn't want you to be, they didn't want you to feel anxious. Where anxious, anxiety or, or to, a, to a certain extent to, to, or arousal to, to a certain extent leads to optimal performance. Uh, and we and we need to be aware of that we need to know you know and and, and either through self awareness uh, of an athlete and we can start to identify where that that zone is. But um, I think it's important to 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 uh, as a coach to to be aware um, of the 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 whole array of emotions, um, negative and positive. I think that we uh, because we lean so heavily on positive psychology. We tend to lean on the benefits of, of positive emotions. Um, uh, you know, I you know um, I I've read a lot about uh, coaches who start with a uh, with a gratitude exercise, and that brings out a lot of po- positive emotions. So I think that's a real benefit. So there is a a whole world's worth of stuff that we could be doing to better tap into, uh, into, 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 into identifying, um, human emotions and, uh, and, and assisting athletes with, uh, with better understanding them. And, you know, you, you talked earlier, I just, I wrote, wrote down, uh, Joe Ehrman and, and, you know, Joe, Joe Ehrman's, uh, primary thrust. I actually had the opportunity to meet him. We, we, uh, we were working with the same nonprofit for a while and, you know, his, the importance of self-care for coaches. And, and is really paramount. And, and what we've learned about well-being and the elements of well-being um, is, is, is something that we stress in our program. So that if a, uh, you know, coaches finish our program, athletic leaders finish our program, not only with a better understanding of what well-being means for their players and, you know, and, and, and psychological well-being, but also what it means for themselves. So that if I am, if I want to best prepare myself to be a, a servant coach to be an other centered coach. I have to know what it means. You know, a, a, a precursor to that is having a really good understanding of my well being. that I'm in a good place. I feel like I am, uh, I am flourishing so that I'm, I'm better able to assist others. You know, it's kind of the, um, the great metaphor is, uh, uh, you know, you're on a plane and uh, you get the instructions before you take off about, uh, if the uh, oxygen masks come down, you know, put yours on first and then take care of the person you're traveling with. Um, and we, we kind of view it the same way. Take care of your well-being first. Be an inside. Take care of the inside before you, before you, you start to approach the outside. Um, and I think that's uh, another important element that we, that we focus upon. Yeah, so powerful. And to tie some of these threads together if we want sport to develop these characteristics in our kids to help them develop socially and emotionally. They just, they will not grow beyond the level that their coach has grown. And so if, if a coach isn't able to identify their own emotions, they're not going to be able to help a player identify theirs to, to name them and, and to move past them or, or to figure out how to navigate them. So yeah, I think what you said there, it's so important that as coaches, we, <laughs> We, we are in a good spot first uh, in our, our mental, emotional, social well-being. Uh, that just can't be understated for coaches. Uh, Eleanor Brown is, is a self-care expert. She said, um, and it's a quote that we steal uh, quite regularly, uh, you can't serve from an empty vessel. So what does it mean to fill your vessel? And, and we believe that 
to fill your vessel, it's to experience your own level of well-being so that you are in a better position to help others with theirs. Absolutely. That's so powerful. I've got a few rapid fire questions for you. I just want you to oh boy. Uh, say the first first things that come to your mind, uh, and then I'll let you share some uh, about how people can get in contact with you before we hop off. Here's my here's my first one. Describe the best coach you ever played for in just three words. Uh, best coach was. Um, Understanding, loving, great teacher. Hmm. I like it. I love it. Here's the next one. The most fun part of coaching is? <sighs> Relationships. Players. Hanging around, you know, getting to know the players. Absolutely. I wish I would have known blank before my first coaching experience. The importance of, of internal motivation, of assisting that, 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 you know, by, by, by motivating externally, you know, the carrot and stick approach is so limiting. And, uh, and, and there is a, there, there is a better way of, of assisting others to motivate themselves. Yeah, Absolutely. And I'll say one more thing about that. I think that so much of it is just helping, and you mentioned goals and those things, but just helping players identify their aspirations, asking them, like, where do you want to go? Who do you want to become? What kind of player do you want to become? And then yeah, being how, can able, I make, how can I make this a great experience for you? What, yeah. what, you know, tell me how I can make this a great experience yeah. for you. And then what a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Here's my next rapid fire question. I know I'm successful as a coach when I get invited to their wedding, <laughs> you know, things like that. When, when I had, when I build a relationship and, it, and it, it, when I have a relationship that, that transcends sport, Yeah. when they've learned things from me that transcend sport. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fantastic. Uh, well, Dr. Sullivan, this has been fantastic. Uh, before we hop off, just share with people where they can connect with you and, and with your program and, and find out more information. Well, my, uh, my email address is pretty easy to remember. It's gsullivan at missouri.edu. Uh, another way is just to Google uh, University of Missouri Positive Coaching and Leadership, and it should take you to our website, uh, which is um, – it, it, it just, it'll, it'll, you know, it, there's a lot to explore there. You can actually look at our courses that we, uh, that we offer. Um, I, you know, it just as a quick pitch, if you're in, you know, if you're interested in, in, in if you, you know, if you're teaching interschool, uh, co teaching and coaching interscholastically, and if you're in need of, of a, a master's in education, um, we can, we can check that box in a really fun and interesting way. We have um, everybody that is in our program uh, is uh, is charged in-state tuition. So the entire master's degree is less than $14,000, uh, which I think it's a lot of money. I, I, but, it, but relative to what other master's degrees are charging, I think it's a, uh, it's a really exciting price point. Uh, and um, yeah, feel, if, if you have any questions about, um, about 
uh, a master's degree or positive coaching in general. Um, I also, if you're interested in servant leadership, I've written a book. It's, it's available on Amazon. It's called Servant Leadership in Sport, Theory and Practice. And it's, uh, the publisher is uh, Paul Grave McMillan. So a couple Fantastic. of options. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Sullivan, thank you so much. I, I've enjoyed this conversation and love getting to learn about you and your journey and, and what you're doing to help coaches get better. So thanks a ton for joining me. My pleasure, Luke. And, and keep doing what you're doing. I think that um, you know sharing your experiences is really, really important. And I think coaches will, will certainly benefit from that. So well done. Coaches, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast, and thanks again to Dr. Sullivan for coming onto the show. If you'd like to connect with Dr. Sullivan and learn more about his program at the University of Missouri, you can find links in the show details. And if you'd like to get a free copy of the notes from this episode, go to transformsport.org slash podnotes to get a free PDF of the notes from today's episode. And don't forget to go get your free copy of the official study guide I wrote with Doug Lamov for the Coach's Guide to Teaching. Go to cgtbookclubs.com to download a free copy and click the link in the show details if you'd like to join the wait list for upcoming book clubs. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a shout out on Twitter. It goes a long way in helping us share with other coaches. Thanks for listening to the Coaches Club podcast powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training.